Hey friends, welcome to 24 of the Making Room on the Pew podcast, a podcast for the misfits and outcasts. Today, we are talking to Sherry Hunter. She has a brand new book out called Daring to Live, How the Power of Sisterhood and Taking Risks Can Jumpstart Your Joy. So Sherry um, found herself devastated, of course, when her husband, Menard, unexpectedly passed away at age 50. So with her whole world falling down, she turned to her friends. They're called the Dare Divas. Such a cute name. I love that. Um, And they started seeking out adventures to help Sherry heal from this grief, which I think is such a profound um, way of dealing with grief, right? Seeking out adventure. And so they went, guys, ziplining, skydiving, mountain climbing, all of these things um and through these death-defying activities sherry began to found to find the strength to move forward with her life and to to move forward um out of the grief um that she was feeling from the death of her husband it's just it's a very cool story. Um, clearly people agree with me. She is actually, this book is being made into a movie with Paramount Pictures. Um, so we talk about that a little bit at the end. That's very, very exciting, but I'm so excited to bring this, uh, episode and to introduce you to Sherry. If you don't know her already. Um, So just a little bit about her before we get started. Sherry Hunter is a marketing professional who has served as a producer for Michigan's national news affiliates, including CBS and NBC. She's a freelancer for several daily newspapers, including the Oakland Press, the Morning Sun News, and she has even been featured in Moore Magazine and National Geographic Traveler. Um, She is a popular keynote speaker. Sherry loves to show others that living outside our comfort zones helps us discover amazing things about ourselves, even if those acts aren't as extreme as jumping out of an airplane at 13,000 feet, which she has done. Of course she has. Um, So Sherry lives in uh, Michigan, and I'm just so excited that I got to um, talk to her learn a little bit more about her and her story, and I get to introduce you to her as well. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Sherry Hunter. Hi, Sherry. Hi there, Bailey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Is it Bailey or is it Bailey Joe? It's Bailey Joe, right? Yeah, you know, Bailey is totally fine. Um, it's funny, my mom actually really wanted to name me Bailey Joe. She's from West Virginia. And my dad kept saying, no, that sounds like, so he kept saying like a hillbilly. You can't call her Bailey Joe. And now the only person who actually calls me Bailey Joe in my real life is my dad. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You know what? This probably it's always a, like a little version of this little girl, Bailey Joe. Is that yeah. Something a dad would call his daughter. <laughs> right. Oh, well, welcome um, to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm really, really excited. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah. So, Sherry, for people who maybe um, haven't connected with you before, can you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Well, my name is Sherry Hunter, and I am a writer. 
and now the author of Daring to Live. Uh, I started off as a journalist. So I worked as a um, production assistant writer, then was promoted to a producer. And then I went back to school to um, get my MBA and I became a marketing professional, but I never stopped writing. I kept writing. And so um, that's a little bit about me. Um, until um, I met some of my girlfriends, and we could probably go into that in more detail. Yeah, absolutely. So you have a book, oh, that just released? Yeah. Yesterday. yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it's so exciting. Congratulations. All right. Yeah, so it's called Daring to Live, How the Power of Sisterhood and Taking Risks Can Jumpstart Your Joy. Will you tell us a little bit about it? Yes. So uh, I, it all came about because I wrote this article for National Geographic and More Magazine, and it was talking about grief, basically. I, I had lost my husband in 2012 uh, through a sudden heart attack. So unexpected, we didn't see it coming. And fortunately for me, I had met, had met some girlfriends at my church. We were serving in ministry together. And we were doing some kind of fun things prior, but it was really during that whole time of grieving of doing some extraordinary, we quote, quote unquote, dares. We call ourselves the dare divas. We, mm -hmm. we, were, we were skydiving, whitewater rafting. Um, we hiked Mount Kilimanjaro in 2018. And the book really chronicles all the various dares. There's 10 chapters, there's 10 dares. And what I learned about myself through stepping outside my comfort zone, recognizing that there was so much life to live and I was much stronger than I ever imagined once I pushed myself past um, those, those fears of mine. Wow. Um, yeah, so your book goes through all of your adventures and you started those adventures as a way of healing? Yeah, well, we had, okay. um, we had done a few things prior to my husband's passing. Uh, we had <laughs> did uh, whitewater rafting. One of the um, women, her name is Mia, she came to us while we were serving in church saying, let's go whitewater rafting. You know, none of us knew exactly what that was, right? <laughs> and, yeah. um, uh, we had life jackets. Um, I was one of the girls who really couldn't swim, so I, I was really putting my hands um, in the um, hands of our guys, everything turned out well. But um, yeah, it was, it was really more or less um, us really trying to um, move forward with um, these various dares that continued after my husband passed. And it was, it was something about the dares. It gave me something to look forward to, something, to, just the planning of it. The planning of the dares was so exciting and the execution, the bragging rights that comes with completing <laughs> them, right? And, and then using that towards my um, home life, because you start saying to yourself, wow, if I can climb, if I can hike Mount Kilimanjaro, I certainly can face some of my own fears and concerns at home. You know, I, I had a house that was underwater that I needed to sell. I had to address that. Um, I had issues with, you know, um, family and I had to deal with that. I had to have t difficult, uh, tough conversations. I had to deal with that. We all have those things in life that we have to deal with that are sometimes scary and frightening. 
But what showed, what, what I, what doing these deer showed me is if I can do something difficult physically, like those elements were, I can use that same strength and apply it in my personal life. Hmm. Yeah. Have you, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Have you always been one to seek out adventure? Not really. And <laughs> <laughs> not really. I, um, I honestly, Bailey, if I had not done these dares with these girls, if I not, I would have, I would have never skydived. <laughs> it wasn't something that I was hungry or eager to do. Um, I doubt very seriously that I would have, um, done any whitewater rafting, you know, did the cliff jumping, certainly not hike Mount Kilimanjaro. So no, it wasn't, I don't, I don't look at myself as inherently adventurous, um, before now, you know, I'm like, yeah, let's bring it on. But before, no, it, it was this, this, the, the unity of the friendship that, you know, you pull and you push each other to try new things. That really um, was my breakout time. Yeah. What, um, what would you tell someone who is maybe listening who is not adventurous um, and they have a friend or a family member who has been telling them, let's go do this thing, whatever it is, um, would you encourage them to do it, even if they're scared? Here's the, here's the, here's the girl code among me and the Dear Divas. We, um, we, we, we push and pull, we encourage each other, we motivate each other, but we also give each other the opportunity to say no, right? Mm -hmm. um, so there's times when, you know, we're like, listen, if it's, if it's, if it's bone crunching fear, um, we don't push each other to do that. But if it's something that uh, when a friend speaks to you and something stirs inside of you and, you, and, it's, and, it, and it blooms into something more, then I say, go for it, right? Um, we never want to force or push people to do something that they really don't want to do and then they end up regretting. But you know, I, I do encourage people to go outside their comfort zone in some way. And it doesn't have to be doing anything adventurous or um, <laughs> doing anything as extreme as skydiving. It could be something small, like, you know, if, if a family member or someone is encouraging you to go back to school, that could be your, your moment of discomfort. And you're trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to do that? I can't afford it. I don't have the time, yada, yada, yada. There's all these different things that would stop you from wanting to do that. But, you know, imagine the possibilities, right? Because if you move towards that, somehow you'll find the money, right? And there's scholarships, there's so many other opportunities. You find the time, you know, I know personally, I sit a lot of times on, on the sofa watching TV. I could be using that time to do other things. And so I encourage people that whatever that little smidget of thing that is scary, but in deep inside you, you really kind of want to do, by all means, go for it. Hmm. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Um, I appreciate that you pointed out that courage and adventure can look like so many different things. Um, for you, it might be skydiving. For me, it was going to Mexico and building a school in the desert. For my mom, it was going back to nursing school when she had three kids and a husband at home. Wow. Yeah. And you know, and I think that's what is so important for me that people understand that we all are so different, right? We're built different. We have our own sets of individual fears and concerns and things that uh, we want to achieve even. And so we have to 
you know, allow ourselves, there's some people who will never, ever skydive or never, ever hike a mountain. I mean, that, they're not built like that. There's not, their, there's not their interest. They have other wonderful things they'd rather do. And so, but also those wonderful things might be a little frightening. So we got to allow each other the opportunity to explore our hearts, explore the deepest parts of ourselves, and then move towards those things, whatever it may be, that would cause us to bloom. Do you have a favorite dare or adventure that you guys have done? Yeah, you know, for me, I mean, there were so many wonderful ones, but um, there was a couple actually. Um, I really enjoyed um, doing the motorcycle dare because, um, I don't know, I, I just thought it was a, such a cool thing to be able to learn how to ride a motorcycle. And uh, so it was, it was definitely one of my favorites. Ironically enough, also Mount Kilimanjaro was, um, even though, to be honest with you, it was the most rigorous, it was the one time I was thinking where it was technically a vacation because I took time off, but it was also one of those things that I'm like, I couldn't wait until it was over because it was so strenuous. But it was, it was so wonderful to be able to, you know, push my body, push my mind to the limits and be able to say, wow, you know, what a wonderful thing to be able to say at the end of your life that you hiked Mount Kilimanjaro. It's just something that will always stay with me. Yeah. So most people know what that hike entails. Um, what about the motorcycle dare? What was that? So we, um, it was to, to learn how to ride a motorcycle. So we, um, took a class at a community college. It was a three day, uh, well, two and a half days. So we took, it was a evening Friday class and then a instructional class on Saturday and Sunday where we actually had to mount the bikes, learn how to stop, start the bike, how to swerve, how to turn and all these different things. <laughs> and um, it was just one of those things that I just never saw myself doing. I had two, um, I guess my kids were in middle school at the time. And um, I was just one of those moms who were like, you know, let me just get the kids off to school. Let me help them participate in their classes. I was not the mother who was, who was a biker chick. I was not a biker mom, right? <laughs> um, but it was so wonderful to be able to, you know, get on, mount that bike and manhandle it, right? <laughs> and um, as it turned out, I didn't pass the first time or the second time. Uh, it took me um, taking that class three times before I actually have my motorcycle license. It's on my, it's on my license that I'm certified to drive one. I haven't driven a motorcycle since. Um, and so I, you won't see myself mounting one, but it was such an amazing dare to um, actually go about going after it. And, and I really did enjoy it. I was sweaty and musty and dirty after, <laughs> after each class. But um, it was so fulfilling at the same time. Wow. Yeah. So what, um, what was the greatest thing you learned from that class? And especially, I mean, having to take the class three times. Yeah. Um, you know, that, you know, the things that you want don't always come easy. That it takes time. It takes patience. It takes resilience, you know. Um, it wasn't something that I needed to do, right? It wasn't a need thing. And that's why I know that when I put so much time in something that's not even needed, I should also 
think about putting as much time, as much energy in those things that really matter, right? Um, the, the motorcycle dare was like, you know, one of those things where I could have lived without doing it. So it was so important to me that I apply that in my life. Okay, well, there's certain things you really should do. So you should give yourself time and dedication. For example, writing that book, it was something that was a really, it was a need. It was something that was always on my soul to do, but I had to put time into it. I had to put um, effort and it took a while. It took a while. And we just have to kind of really look at those things in our, in our lives that really matter. And, and apply those same things that I learned from, you know, riding that bike. Yeah. So you mentioned writing this book is, or a book is something you've wanted to do for so long. What's the story behind deciding to write this book and use these stories? Well, when, when Menard passed away, in 2012, that was the name of my husband, his name was Bernard. You know, there was, I was journaling a bit about all of these emotions. There was a part of me that was angry with God because of all the people to take. Why would he take someone who was serving, who was mentoring, who just seemed to be, you know, so full of life. Um, and I was trying to reconcile all of it, right? I was trying to reconcile, you know, all of these emotions. So I initially wrote the article, the article for More Magazine, um, which went viral, um, by the way. Mm. Um, and I ended up getting um, an agent based off that article. And then um, I wrote an article again for National Geographic, but initially just really to get my feelings out and also talk about my girlfriends, because I think it's so wonderful when you can have four women come together and friendship and sisterhood. You know, so often we talk, we hear about how difficult and challenging it is for women to, you know, be in harmonious relationships. And I just wanted to celebrate them as they were so wonderful in helping me move forward. And so then once the articles were doing, were um, so well received, um, that my agent was like, do you, can you, can you see yourself expanding this, you know, into something uh, much uh, on, a, on a larger platform where you, you know, take the time to really share what you learned in each of those dares, you know, it, it really share, you know, your faith, you know, because in the book, I keep it real. There were some things that I was quite frankly ashamed of about myself. Um, in the book, I talk about, you know, how I, my doctor put me on Xanax and I loved it. I could have really gone mm. off to a dark place. I drank alcohol because I was trying to cope. And so as a Christian person, especially, that was such a level of shame for me. And I thought, you know what? I may be the only one out there who's gone through that, who has been serving in church, working in church, serving in ministry. I may be the only one who has, you know, gone through those dark places and yet still feel, you know, times when, you know, God wasn't with me but knowing truly and most, most certainly um, through it all that he was, all those mixed emotions, I just wanted to document it somehow because I, I have to think that even though I felt like I was the only one, there certainly might be others. And I wanted to just have that level of dialogue about it. 
Yeah, I absolutely love when I find people who are actually saying what everyone, maybe not everyone, what a lot of people are thinking and feeling, but are too ashamed or embarrassed to actually say. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to hear that you kind of dove really deep into that and thought, well, I'll just say it and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of vulnerability that comes with that. There, and, and then if I'm being very frankly, frank with you, Bailey, there's a smidgen of me that's like, oh my goodness, am I going to be judged harshly for this? But you know, I, I've made the decision that, you know, whatever comes out of it, I'd spoke the truth and you know, somehow, some way, you know, if, if nothing else, that relieved me of, you know, having this, this, um, this expectation from others, or even, you know, people from the outside looking at me thinking I'm one way when really I'm not. It's, um, you know, it's my truth. And I'm really hopeful that others will, I don't know, somehow relieve themselves of feeling this guilt and the shame that, that I had as well. Um, can we talk a little bit about that, you know, those dark spaces? Mm -hmm. What was it that helped you out of those? Was it the Dare Divas and the journaling and the adventure? You know, I think there was multiple things. I, I don't know about anyone else. I never find that it's just one thing. There's, there's a number of things that factor in. My faith was very important. I I think that if I hadn't had my faith, that it would have allowed me to really um, go into a deep dive. So there was that. Um, there, there was um, my friendships that I had developed. Sometimes you never know when you're going to need a friend. That's why it's so important to be a friend and allow friendships into our lives for those difficult times, not just fun times, but those difficult times where the girls were there during that time. I also think that it was, you know, mental health is such a, a huge thing that we, we see in our society, not just, you know, globally, really, um, mm -hmm. mental health. And so, you know, not being ashamed to go and say, you know, I need help. Uh, so speaking with others who would, you know, counsel me, um, you know, tell me about all the stages of grief and that what I was experiencing was, was normal because there, there are certain stages of grief that we all go through. And I think also, ultimately, I didn't want my kids, and I know this might sound strange, I never wanted my kids to think, oh my gosh, why did you leave us with this parent who was unable to and, 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 and not equipped to, you know, carry our family through, you know? Um, so I didn't, I didn't want to have my kids look at me poorly because I didn't have the resilience during a difficult time. So all of those, those, those factors really played into it. You know, I also had a, a beautiful support system in my family, my mother, my mother-in-law, Menard's mother. Um, and that all totality of those things was never for me, I believe, one thing. It's the totality of those things that really helped. Hmm. Okay, so you are... Um, going on all these adventures, um, spending a lot of time with the Dare Divas, at what time did you, or at what point did you realize that you were uh, beginning your healing journey? You know, I think for me, it was probably, 
You know, it, it's, I, to be honest with you, Bailey, I'm still in that healing process. I think there's times when you never really, the wound is always there. In my book, I even talk about how, you know, when a year in, someone had asked me, um, so, you know, how do you, how do you feel now that you're quote unquote healed? And I just thought that was such an interesting conversation because unlike when you have a wound to your skin, you know, the wound eventually disappears and you won't even necessarily see the wound. There might be a scar, but in some cases it heals so beautifully, you'd never even know the wound was there. I don't feel that's the case with the soul. I feel that you can go on all of your life and experience great joy and then have those moments of grief that you think when like when my when Menard died, you know, he never got to see our daughter graduate. So when she graduated, it was such a beautiful experience. Um, but she graduated, but it was also kind of sad because he wasn't there. Um, but I found that probably about a year and a half, I was surfacing out of depression. So about a year and a half, it took me to really get on with understanding that great joy was still ahead. But it took about a year for that, a year and a half for that. So let's say there's someone listening who is right in the thick of that grief and feeling all of that loss. Um, what advice would you give them? Wow. You know, one of the things I would say to them is to give yourself time and don't let anybody rush you through the process and don't let anyone because they've experienced one way to make you feel like you have to experience it the same way. Because here's the thing, grief is singular, is your grief. Um, and I would also recommend that, you know, you find someone to talk to. If you don't have a, a, a set of friends, um, reach out to professionals who can assist you with talk therapy, you know, being able to, you know, speak out how you're feeling and emotion so you're not, so you don't feel alone. It's absolutely the most wonderful gift you can give yourself to take care of your mental wellness. And also, I, I do believe that doing something outside of yourself is so important too. Um, if you're not open to skydiving, um, you know, taking long walks or, or taking a run or doing something outside to just get your blood and your blood pumping. Because here's the thing: when your blood is pumping, you're alive, you're active, you're vibrant, and it really helps again with not only your health but your mental state. So those were the things I would, would advise. Yeah, I love that you're talking specifically about mental health too. I think that that still in 2020 is something that um, is really stigmatized and people don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I think because um, I think with the, with the brain, people assume that if you're having mental health issues that you're crazy. You know what I mean? That those mm -hmm. things that we say to ourselves and to others, oh, that person's crazy. Or, you know, that person needs to be, you know, locked up. Or, you know, there's all sorts of things that we say to each other about um, mental health. You know, back in the day, you know, they didn't, they didn't, were able to classify certain things as depression or bipolar or all those things. They were just classified as crazy. And for some reason, I feel like we've never really, even though that, that, that we've now advanced in being able to identify um, the terminology for certain things, there's still a, a big faction where of people who don't really understand all the nuances of it. 
And so we don't give each other the grace of knowing that it could be just a finite, finite period of time that you just need to get assistance. It doesn't mean it has to be a long-term thing for some of us, sometimes just a finite period of time where you need to get that extra help. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I'm a big fan of therapy. So I'm just, I'm really thankful that that's kind of where this, this conversation went um, for a bit. Mm -hmm. So Sherry, if I'm trying to decide where I want to go next reading or I'm sorry, writing this book, uh, through that process, through living it, through writing it, what was the greatest thing you learned about God? Wow. (laughs) You know, when I was writing the book, And going through all of this, uh, I recognize that we all know that God is sovereign, right? He does what he wants, the way he wants it, because he's God and he has access to information we don't have, right? So we know that theoretically, Mm -hmm. but I think that when you're going through it, there's a part of you that just feels like you're being abandoned. It's like, God, where are you? Why are you so silent? I think even on the cross, Jesus was like, you know, God, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> Even though he was God, he was like that, that sense of just feeling that the absence of him and imagine the absence of God, right? It just feels like a hollow, shallow place. And so one of the things I learned as I was writing this and, and especially the completion of it is that, you know, we have to recognize that God is, is, is God in the sense that he is trying to develop our muscle. There's times when he's trying to develop us and draw us closer to him. And if all things were, you know, bright and shiny and new, would we ever be able to fully see the value of going to him for everything, not just for everything. And so those times of the deepest sorrow, it it allows you to draw closer to him to really get an understanding of the clarity of who who he is and how he operates. And, you know, understanding that even though I'm going through something, sometimes it's much bigger than, than my own life. And I have to be appreciative of that. When my husband died, it was so interesting. I, I leaned on him. I learned that I was leaning on him much too much instead of leaning on the Lord, right? When you're in a relationship with someone, your marriage even, that should not be the person that you lean on the most. It still should always be God. And when God, when the Lord took fit to take Menard to be on with, to be, to join him, it made me realize, wow, Sherry, that was not the smartest thing to do. So now what are you going to do? So then I, he had to gird me up and, and, and recognize that I was strong. And yes, I am capable. Yes, I am able, but never, ever forget again who you rely on and who you are through him. Hmm. Um, I'm wondering, were you ever angry with God when it first happened, when you were struggling through your grief and your loss? Um, I'm just wondering, because I think a lot of people going through loss are just so angry they can't even get to this point of I know something good is coming 
Oh, listen, I wasn't there in the beginning. As a matter of fact, that was the part that was in my mind. Um, I just couldn't figure it out. I was saying that I always thought I knew God. I, you know, I, I always thought I knew him and that, you know, we, we were doing everything we were supposed to be doing. We were serving in church. We were um, ministering to people. And, you know, and I think that that was the part that I felt was kind of immature in my thinking and thinking that, you know, just because um, I am doing great work, that that doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen to me, right? Mm-hmm. To think that, oh, just because you're a good person, just because you're serving in ministry does not mean that everything is going to go the way Sherry wants it to go, right? To think that somehow you're immune to bad things happening because you have a relationship with God. And so it was, it was really a, a chance for me to observe that, listen, this earth that we live on, it is not Eden. It is not heaven. We live in a, on an earth that is part of challenges. It, there will always be death. So don't think that I'm, I'm going to avoid it. The people are around me. They're not going to avoid it. Um, there's going to be illnesses. There's going to be strife. There's going to be difficult, challenging times. And that happens whether, you know, you have a relationship with God or not. But the thing about having that relationship, what I have found is that it has allowed me the ability to weather things and to have a different perspective on it. Once I allowed myself to understand that, yes, I was angry, but it wasn't going to change things, but it could change how I operate going forward. And that operating was allowing myself to explore all the joy and be great, grateful for the things I still had. And I still had a lot. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's so important because, I mean, how often do we think, um, but I'm a Christian, but I go to church, but I take care of my family and things are still happening um, that we would rather not happen. Um, it being having a relationship with God doesn't change the fact that bad things will happen. It only changes, I guess, our hearts mm-hmm. um, in response. So, yeah, I, I really appreciate you touching on that. Yeah, and it took me a minute, just like I had to get, um, I went to someone to get mental health <laughs> assistance. Mm-hmm. I also had to reach out for people with faith questions and issues. Mm-hmm because I felt like my faith was so weak in the sense that I was like, I guess I don't really understand what God was thinking. I don't understand what Jesus was, what the meaning of this is. And you know, there's sometimes you never will know. I, I, there's sometimes when that answer won't be, that question won't be answered. And so you have to find a way to understand that, you know, God is still good. Cause here's the thing, Bailey, when all is well, when great things are happening, I don't ask God, well, why me? I'm too busy enjoying the great things. So why is it that during those times of um, difficulty, we feel the um, inclination or the, um, like we deserve to have the answer for that? Um, it, it, It just seems like we can't lean on God as being, he's not a fair weather God. He's God for us during good times and bad times. And, you know, I just had to reconcile the fact that, yeah, I'm not asking questions during great times, you know, so I, 
even though it's okay for me to ask the question, I still have to understand deep down inside that I may never get that question answered, but still know that somehow God is going to make it right. That somehow I am going to be happy again. That somehow the joy is going to come again. I am going to smile again. There's going to be a wonderful future for me. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you for going into that grief um, with us. I, I honestly, I think that this work that you're doing um, with the book and and speaking about grief and mental health and God, um, I really think that it's going to do a lot for people who are still struggling, even if they can't believe it now. Um, I think it, it's going to give a lot of people hope um, to come. I really hope so. And I, and I do know the early stages of, de of, of grief, of death, you know, and I'm not just talking about the loss of a family member. It could be anything, you know, somebody who put their all and all their love into a business and it's, and for some reason, you know, it just went defunct or it could be a situation where you're having a difficult relationship. Your child is going wayward and you don't understand what's going on because you put everything into this child and they just are turning, turning uh, opposite or away from you. You know, all those times in our lives, it's, 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 there's loss, but there's so many other challenges that we have to weather. And, and so I'm just hoping that individuals who, like myself, because listen, I'm still breathing, there still will be challenges, that we, we recognize and acknowledge that those things are still gonna happen as long as we're breathing, for me and for everyone else that we have to kind of reconcile that there's still a wonderful life to be had. And we, we need to go after it with everything we have in us. Hmm. Yeah, well, thank you so much, um, Sherry, for being on the podcast. Um, I'm really excited to get this one out. Uh, as we wrap up here, before we go, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you, the book, um, anything else you'd like them to know? Yeah, sure. I would love to connect with you all. I am, you can check me out on my website at sherryhunter.com. It's S-H-E-R-I-H-U-N-T-E-R.com. So love to connect there. And, uh, you know, you can buy my book through Amazon, but it's at all uh, places where you can buy books, Barnes and Noble, Books A Million, Target, uh, any place, any one of those places. But most importantly, I would love to connect with you all, to have this conversation, um, to go even further. On my Facebook page, we have um, the Daring to Live Challenge. And, and what that entails is just having conversations about moving forward out of that stuck place that um, many of us have experienced. Awesome. Um, also, I just um, remembered that I really want to give you a, you know, little space to talk about uh you the daring to live book is going to become a movie can you believe that oh, oh my so goodness excited. i am excited too they just made the announcement paramount pictures just made the announcement yes so uh paramount pictures in um connection with devon franklin he um was recently the producer for breakthrough um, with um, Chrissy, I think her name is Murti. I can't remember her last name, but 
Um, she's um, the, um, one of the primary cast members on This Is Us. And it was a worldwide success. So he's um, the producer of um, my, what will become Daring to Live. I think they still are determining what they're going to call it. But they Paramount optioned the book. Um, and I'm so thrilled about it. You know, I just, I can't wrap my brain around it. The book just came out yesterday and already there's a film in the making. So, so I'm excited about that. Me and the other girls, other Dare Divas, we are thrilled. Yeah. Okay. So I know we're almost, uh, at our time, but last quick question. Do you have someone in mind that you would like to see in this movie? <laughs> that's always the question right yeah there are so we the girls and I we all we joke about all the different possibilities right but the thing is there's so many wonderful actresses um out in Hollywood who would do it justice I'm going to trust Paramount and Devon that they're going to find someone wonderful to play me and all the other girls I have no favorites um you know, any one of the wonderful actresses that are out there now, and there might even be somebody who we don't know who they select. I'm, I'm just really looking forward to seeing it in film. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, um, Sherry, thank you so much again for being hey, on the podcast. Oh, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed every minute. Wow. Isn't Sherry amazing. Um, I hope you guys learned as much from her as I feel like I did. You know, we recorded this episode back in February before this COVID-19 pandemic hit. Um, But I feel like right now with being in the midst of everything we're dealing with right now, This is such a timely message for us, right? Using adventure as a way of dealing with grief. I feel like everyone is grieving right now. We're grieving what what was, what could have been, um, what never will be again because of this um, coronavirus. And I think, like Sherry said, it doesn't have to be skydiving. It doesn't have to be mountain climbing, but just doing something new that you've been wanting to do. It kind of reminds us that we are alive and there is joy and there is a way forward. So I'm just, I'm so thankful for Sherry and for her message and this book. So excited for the movie to come out. I will definitely keep you guys posted on anything I hear from her on that. Um, but I, I just think this is such, it's so timely for us. Um, and I'm just so thankful for Sherry and her work today. Um, so if you guys want to, um, connect with her and I hope you do, um, you can find her on Twitter, Instagram, uh, I think Facebook too, um, Sherry Hunter, you guys will find her. She's everywhere. Um, so go ahead and follow her wherever you like to do social media. <laughs> um, and grab a copy of her book as well, um, Daring to Live. You guys will not be sorry. So thanks so much for hanging out with us. Until next time, this has been Making Room on the Pew. <laughs>